Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Hey, it's Jeremy. This week is my last episode hosting the best new ideas in money. I'm going to be handing over the mic to Market Watch reporter Charles Passy. I know you're really going to enjoy him as host. Stephanie is staying right here, and I'm planning to come back periodically. So stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the show. We're trying to put blockchains everywhere, even when they don't belong, right? Wanting to integrate NFTs because there's a lot of hype around them, but that they're not necessarily going to be useful to the end user. Welcome to the Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm Jeremy Olshan, the editor of MarketWatch. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. Today, we're talking about NFTs. Back in 2009, I bought my father a brick. It looked like an ordinary brick you could go into Home Depot and buy for 50 cents. I paid something like 200 bucks for it. Why? It was a brick from the old Yankee Stadium's Monument Park, and it had a little hologram sticker on it from Major League Baseball to prove it. An NFT is basically a digital version of that sticker. It's a unique marker attached to something. That's all a non-fungible token really means. When the artist Beeple's work, Every Day's The First 5,000 Days, sold for $69 million at a Christie's auction last year, suddenly everyone was talking about NFTs. The final bid, $69 million. Oh my gosh. Uh, as of six months ago, what? Beeple had yet to sell any work. Carl, help me. Uh, Carl, help me understand. Sure, help me. Sure I'm relying on you and Morgan to explain this to me. <laughs> I, I can say non-fungible. What is a non-fungible uh, okay. token? But that's about where, where my understanding ends. Yeah. Soon, New York Times writer Kevin Roos sold an NFT of his article on NFTs for $560,000 worth of crypto. And Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton were also trying to get in on the action. You could try something, maybe like sell one of your jokes or something. I couldn't even do that to my audience tonight. Are you kidding me? No, no, I, was, I doubt I'd make money off the NFTs. Uh, uh, I, uh. Still, not everyone believes the hype. But we do wonder, could an NFT, a non-fungible token, be used for anything useful? This week, we're looking at how NFT technology might help you book a reservation at a restaurant, access medical records, get you into a concert, or buy your next house. So what is an NFT exactly? Let's start with some quick definitions. First up, the blockchain. A blockchain is essentially a database shared across nodes on a computer network. So it's decentralized, which means that really any node on the network maintains a complete record of all the network's transactions. And anybody on the network, any of these nodes, can see the data, but they can't edit it. Erica Pimentel is an assistant professor of business at Queen's University in Canada. Blockchains really are a distributed form of database, whereas an NFT is a type of information that's stored in that database. So it's only one application 
of blockchain technology. Now, what makes blockchains so powerful is their architecture, because information on a blockchain is stored together in groups that we call blocks. So as every NFT is written to that database, information is collected in a block. And once the block is filled, the block is closed and it's added to a chain of data known as a blockchain. In theory, that process is what makes the blockchain secure. Once the block is locked, only the person with the passcode or key can open it. The only way to hack it is to get a hold of the key. The information is stacked one after the other. It's time-stamped, so we can't go back and change the past. The blockchain is sort of locked in that way, and it's decentralized. So if there was an attack, for instance, on one of the nodes, well, that wouldn't take down the entire network because every other node on that network has the same copy of all the data. What you're actually storing when you add an NFT to the blockchain isn't the NFT's image. What you're storing instead is a file or code that describes what the NFT is and its location. When you buy an NFT, you're buying a file and a digital signature that proves you own it. The NFT is this unique piece of data stored in that database. And so originally, NFTs were created to act as a digital proof of ownership of digital art, right? It's like a receipt. And it says who created the artwork, when it was created, and it can contain a full price history of that piece. And so it's really great in that sense, theoretically, for offering copyright to that producer. Now, whether or not NFTs will be used to enforce copyright, that's up to the lawyers to decide, but practically speaking, that's what it provides. Some people have called NFTs a pyramid scheme. Others say their production is devastating the environment by producing massive carbon emissions. Proponents say they can make transactions more secure, efficient, and eliminate the middleman. We wondered, what are some new ideas for practical applications? Because NFTs are useful for proving ownership and authentication, people are starting to use them for purposes beyond creating a digital art market. NFTs could be valuable in places where we need proof of some type of identity and visibility. A great example would be the supply chain. Well, we would want everyone on the supply chain, the customs authority, the shipping company, the manufacturer, the receiver, to be part of that blockchain and to be able to certify, yes, I received the merchandise, this is the quantity that I received, this is the date that I received it, and it really could provide visibility at every stage along the supply chain. The supply chain rears its head again. NFTs might improve efficiency with tracking shipments. Pimentel says another potential use is to authenticate tickets. That could be for travel or entertainment. An NFT, by definition, means we have two items that are not the same. So if I'm going to attend, let's say, a Drake concert, there is only one person on a particular day is going to see Drake in that particular city and is going to have, for instance, seat D3. There's a seat D2, there's a seat D4, but there's only one person who has seat D3 in that location on that day. We could turn that into an NFT. 
So I could have a proof that I own that particular seat at that point in time. One of the concerns in these sort of secondary markets is, well, is this really authentic? And it's, it's an issue with digital art. It's an issue with real art. It's an issue where wherever something is unique and you're reselling it to someone you don't know, instead of relying on a trusted intermediary, like an art dealer, like a ticket reseller, well, now I can rely on a blockchain with certainty and at less cost than having to deal with an intermediary. But is it worth it using NFTs for things like concert tickets? We already have barcodes and QR codes. Do we really need any of these things? Like, are they really an advancement? So I can think of a lot of scenarios where we've tried to put blockchains in place and they haven't really been an improvement over what we already have. Improvements in productivity, in process, are not worth necessarily the investment that it would take to implement a blockchain-based solution. We're trying to put blockchains everywhere, even where they don't belong, right? Wanting to integrate NFTs because there's a lot of hype around them, but that they're not necessarily going to be useful to the end user. Even in the case of artwork, an NFT proves ownership and the location where the art is stored or at least where it was stored at the time it was purchased. The actual piece of digital art may be stored somewhere else, and the NFT simply has like a URL that you click and says, okay, there's the piece of art over there. There are tremendous opportunities for fraud at the code level, at the data security level, and if it's not your area of expertise and you're a digital creator, well, you very well want to align yourself with folks who are well-versed in encryption, in data security, in information security, to make sure that your hard work doesn't get stolen. Pimentel is right that while the NFT should be secure on the blockchain, the place where the actual artwork or document associated with the NFT is stored might not be. So creators have to be aware of that risk and protect the asset itself. NFTs could be used to certify that legal documents are authentic in a variety of situations, such as academic degrees, professional licenses, medical records, and birth and death certificates. That could potentially reduce fraud and identity theft. There, in theory, should be an advantage in using NFTs to record and authenticate real estate transactions, just by way of example. Mark DeCambry is the newly appointed editor-in-chief of MarketWatch. Distributed ledger technology seems like a smart way to consolidate all that documentation, authenticate it, transfer it to places or to persons that you need it transferred to, whether that be your lawyer or an accountant or, you know, some other persons who need to, to gain access to that for, you know, verifying it with their own eyes. Drew Hinkus is a partner with the law firm K&L Gates in Miami, Florida. He specializes in blockchain and digital currency. NFTs would be a smart way to think about representing specific pieces of land because they are unique, because they can be encoded or associated with information that is unique to that one digital asset. Obviously, property ownership is much more complicated than who owns a property because there are easements, for a utility company to come in and vary a power line or for the state, city, or county to come in and service a sewer line and people who might have access rights to cross your property to get to water. But compared to fungible tokens, where each token is 
for the purposes of the technical system the same. NFTs are a markedly better solution to representing discrete legal instruments or discrete legal rights. Charlie DeGello agrees. He's the founder of a marketing company called The Door, and he's been working with restaurants that are using NFTs to build their businesses. NFTs are being starting to be used for access to things like events um, or memberships into clubs um, for, for a couple of really specific reasons. Because you are creating this NFT and minting it on a blockchain, you have proof of ownership that is written into the contract and that is accessible to the world to, to, to find out. But for the people who are selling that membership, it gives them a way to always have access and connectivity to the membership and the people who have bought that individual NFT. Why is, why is that important? You now have a record out there of every single person who's ever interacted with that NFT. Most notably, there's an NFT project called Flyfish Club, a group of New York City restaurateurs announced that they were going to open a 10,000 square foot restaurant in New York City that was going to be complete with a cocktail lounge and a, uh, a, a restaurant and an omakase room and a big outdoor space. And, and that restaurant was only going to be accessible to people who pre-bought this NFT. The restaurant doesn't even exist yet, so right now the people buying these NFTs are buying membership to a club and are promised special access. At this stage, it's hard to tell how this would be different from any other club, besides crypto bragging rights. In late February, Flyfish Club held one of their first member events. They invited anyone who had a membership to sign up to go an amazing yacht culinary experience down in Miami. So holders were able, got access to this beautiful yacht, and that was later on, followed up later on in the night to a big event where the founders bought out a restaurant and treated all their holders to a really amazing dining experience. And everyone kind of got to know each other and get really excited about the project. So there's this like really interesting sort of NFT experience that's happening that then translates into these really interesting in real life experiences. Restaurants which were so hard hit by COVID closures hope NFTs could be a potential new way to rebound or expand. COVID came along and made everything much more difficult, which is actually a really interesting reason why NFTs has sort of invaded and expanded opportunities in the culinary world. Because a lot of chefs and a lot of restaurant owners are looking for new and interesting ways to create community around themselves as culinary personalities, around a restaurant concept, and NFTs are allowing them to do that. Coming up, despite all the hype, NFTs raise ethical questions about ownership, privacy, and the environment. That's after the break. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Welcome back to the Best New Ideas in Money. 
Before the break, we talked about how NFTs might be a useful way to authenticate things like tickets to events, memberships, and things we collect, like music or art. But securing personal information with NFTs raises questions about privacy and ownership. Jennifer Miller is an assistant professor at Yale School of Medicine and the founder of Bioethics International. Blockchains are promising for helping address the challenge of counterfeit drugs as well as recall drugs. So there are some instances and in hope that blockchains can be used to track medicines from their origin all the way to the pharmacy or retailer, being able to identify and weed out counterfeit drugs. NFTs could also be used to verify and transfer medical records between systems. Right now, the privacy rules of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, make electronic record transfers between hospitals cumbersome. NFTs could help secure that information's privacy, but Miller says this also raises questions about how that information is used and who controls it. The blockchain technology is nudging or catalyzing us to talk about data ownership or who should own data or even more broadly what kind of control should we have over our digital identities you know our searches on google our gps tracking and our where we drive with our cars but certainly this isn't limited to questions related to blockchain it's the new world we live in and Many groups from the World Economic Forum to others say we're living through the fourth industrial revolution. The third revolution can be thought of as the advent of computers and digitalization. And the fourth revolution is the combining, the fusion of the digital, the biological, and the technological. It raises very fundamental questions about what is ownership, right? And ownership in a legal sense, is understood as a bundle of rights. So even if you own something, there will be limitations to your ownership. And I think we want to say, as people who now live in a digital society, and almost everything we come in contact with, with an on and off switch, is gathering data on us. You know, who owns that data that is being generated by your actions? It's, it's a byproduct. Who owns that data? Who should own that data? How should it be used? How do we want to manage our digital selves? Still, patients might benefit from the control NFTs would give them over their records. I think the, a good thing that could result from blockchain, the introduction of blockchain into electronic health records or medical records is the audited ledger, right? The ability for a patient or provider to see exactly who's been accessing a record or a piece of data some have high hopes for the potential future uses of NFTs, but we can't talk about them or the blockchain without addressing their serious environmental impacts. The way in which the information is recorded on the blockchain is through this system called proof of work, where you have these miners and they're all running this sort of complicated puzzle. And whoever solves it first basically wins that transaction fee. And having all of those computers running all over the world is incredibly energy intensive. That's why people worry about the environmental impact of NFTs, because they participate in this particular kind of system. Charlotte Kent is an assistant professor of visual culture at Montclair State University in New Jersey. She recently wrote a piece for Wired magazine about artists looking for ways to make NFTs more sustainable. 
not all NFTs are using one of these currencies that is proof of work. Some of them are using proof of stake. The idea is proof of stake requires less computing power, so uses less energy. Both proof of stake and proof of work are processes used in crypto to verify transactions. Proof of work involves many computers and uses large amounts of energy. In terms of energy use, it just means in proof of stake, one computer is mining, and in proof of work, lots are. Ken says this is not the only possible option. There's others that are being built and that may become popular in the future. But also, NFTs are a very small part of the overall cryptocurrency world. And though people like to sort of target artists for this, it's because artists have this kind of ideological position as having to be pure of heart and representing our best moral values and so on and so forth. The financial area of cryptocurrency has been involved in this space for far longer than artists have. And none of them were pushing to alter the way in which the system operated, to shift out of this really energy-intensive proof-of-work. According to Kent, awareness about the environmental impact of all forms of crypto, including NFTs, is growing, and artists can be part of spreading that message. This blockchain environment is an emergent technology. What can be designed, what can be built, what can be used is still being figured out. And if we as a community can prioritize that environmental factors matter, if artists can complain about the environmental impact and raise awareness around that, and so push back to encourage all of the chains to move in that direction, to encourage the NFT platforms to move in that direction, then that's to the good. Another factor keeping NFTs from being greener comes down to market forces. One of the reasons that platforms typically say that they haven't moved to currencies that are proof of stake is because so many collectors are Ethereum and Bitcoin rich. It's a problem if we are refusing to make environmentally sound decisions because consumers aren't willing to make environmentally sound decisions. Marketplaces can really lead the way there. If they insist on selling things using currencies that are environmentally better, people will make that shift. Most of the focus on NFTs in the media has been on visual art, but there are other artists turning to NFTs as a way of controlling their work. Musicians and fashion designers are also starting to use them. Here's MarketWatch editor Mark DeCambri again. NFTs in some ways should, in theory, allow artists to have better ownership around the things that they produce. And we've seen some of that play out from memes that folks have taken ownership of to, to pieces of art, to, to logos and, and sort of, you know, more well-established or innovative art. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen those kind of things. A skeptic would say about NFTs, this is a speculative bubble. You know, and you've seen tons of scams around folks trying to raise, trying to sell NFTs or raise money for, for 
some NFT type thing. There's a lot of dangers out there and people really need to be cognizant of what they're doing. So Stephanie, I think the main reason to be wary about NFTs at this stage is the hype and all the celebrity endorsements we're seeing. I mean, whenever you see celebrities pitching financial products, that's kind of a red flag for investors, right? I think a lot of people are still looking for the practical application. You know, what are these things apart from sort of an exciting new digital instrument that people can bet a lot of money on? Right now, they're interesting and exciting for a lot of people because it's a way to speculate. Right, we've seen this happen with lots of technologies. We don't always know when they first come out what's ultimately going to be the way they're used. And I think that's the kind of place we're in right now still. Right. I think a lot of people expect that, you know, some of the things that people are currently excited about might not be around in a number of years, but others will come out on top. So we'll just have to wait and see. As with so many new digital ideas and money that we've talked about on the show, NFTs still really feel like an idea. An NFT is a financial instrument, and with any financial instrument, you always have to wonder, am I playing it or am I being played? Is it an idea that could be put to good use or to con people and pollute the planet? Or maybe both? So Jeremy, that's your last episode. How does it feel? Well, it feels kind of bittersweet. I think doing this podcast with you has been one of my best new ideas ever, and I'm going to miss it. But I promise I'll be back. You better be. Thanks for listening to the best new ideas in money. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please leave us a review. As you probably know, it's the best way for other listeners to discover us. If you have ideas for future episodes or a question you'd like us to answer in an upcoming mailbag episode, drop us a line or send us a voicemail at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Erica Pimentel, Drew Hinkus, Charlie DeGello, Jennifer Miller, Charlotte Kent, and Mark DeCambry. To learn more about NFTs, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton. And I'm Jeremy Olshan. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast from MarketWatch produced by Best Case Studios. Suzanne Myers is our producer. Our associate producer is Hanalee Boitz-Lockard. The executive producer for Best Case Studios is Adam Pincus. For MarketWatch, Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer, and the associate producer is Katie Ferguson. Jeremy Binks is our news editor. This episode was mixed by Katie Ferguson. The Best New Ideas in Money theme music was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. Stephanie and Charles will be back next week with another new idea. Goodbye and thank you.